welcome back to Scuttlebutt, a Marine Corps Association podcast. I am Nick. I'm here with Vic. Hey. And William. Howdy. And today we have no guests. We are scuttlebutting. Oh, man, yeah. We are standing around the jug waiting for our water and rum ration. I just want it now. <laughs> yes, I would love a rum ration right about now. <laughs> a little daytime drinking. Yeah, maybe maybe another episode. They're gonna be. We, like we can find a way. Like Marine Corps birthday could be a fun one. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah, grog it up, baby. Yeah. yeah. Grog it up. Except I'm not gonna do actual grog. I like my rum as rum. Yeah. yeah. We, we can we can Uber home. After after record <laughs> yes. after record that one. We can take the train. I don't need an Uber. We we'll do a remote episode too. <laughs> I don't want to do a road. We could do a road episode. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's let's hit up uh, bars outside of random Marine Corps bases. <laughs> yeah. Do they still do hash runs? Is that a thing? Do you guys even know? Am I dating myself big time right now? You might be dating yourself. You're also talking to people who haven't served. So mm-hmm. no, this was a this was a non-military thing. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. So basically, what it was, and this is totally not this is this is not on the agenda, folks. So this is this is free of charge. <laughs> so what the hash run would do is it was basically like a five or a ten k. And you have one person who's a rabbit who had, like, a trailer full of beers. And then they would go out ahead of everybody and start to emplace caches of beer. And so the hash run was you're trying to catch the rabbit, but you have to stop at each of the caches and drink whatever the required amount of drinking was and then continue on your run. And you're trying to catch the rabbit while also drinking. It's called a hash run. Dude, it was amazing. So I was in college in Long Beach, which is yes. That's why I'm so surprised. Is, uh, I don't know about this. Which so. is a city surrounded by cities, surrounded by cities. It's like to get outside of Long Beach, you have to pass through at least six cities in mm-hmm. any direction, unless you're going out to sea. Which means that to safely be able to put down a, an entire cache of alcohol and not expect some random hobo to come along and drink it would require guard work. And we would not have been well, doing that. Well, if you're running, also running, at a good pace. Well, here's the thing. So running, I running, Vic, running. Yeah, yeah, I did a sweet one in uh, Santa Monica. I've done one uh, in Hermosa. Was a really good one. Uh, actually, no, that was a golf one. That was interesting too. Uh, <laughs> and then a really great one uh, in San Diego, outside of U- yeah, USD uh, University of San Diego, that just turned into a massive puke fest. So we did. Uh, we. If you want to do it at a golf course, we could talk about that, where uh, every three holes at a par three golf course in Long Beach, we're doing glow golf uh, at night with the glow in the dark yeah, golf clubs. Yeah, cool. I've never done it. And um, every three holes, I think that we were just chugging like an entire 40 <laughs> each, and it was just a ridiculous situation. Yeah. I can't I can't golf, so I'll be the, I'll be the drunk caddy. So, yeah. you know, have fun using your putter when you're trying three. to go. Like for you bring literally. Well, well, the way you do way you do drinking golf, though, we don't do it with a golf course. You you actually have to set it up with each of the of the bars, and then you just tell them what the signature drink is. And then so, if you get the signature drink, that's a like a, a whatever like a birdie or something. Oh. If you just drink a beer, that's like a bogey. So each drink is a corresponding with the amount of strokes it would take. Like like if you were in golf, and so you just it's basically just bar hopping with a scoring. Sheet I feel like I was it. robbed for part of my uh, yeah. youth right now, yeah, not yeah. having that in my life. Yeah, that was that was a good one. So we didn't, we didn't we didn't finish the course because it was just like. Bleh. So if any of our dear listeners have any ideas for us to, to poison <laughs> yes. our bodies for the uh, the uh, Marine Corps birthday episode coming up for yeah. 2022, please send them to us, and we will uh, we'll do our yeah, best. Yeah, drink to responsibly and do it legally. Yes. And don't do 240, what is it, seven this year? 247 shots? That's too many. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or you can space them out. 
Yeah. If we start now. Yeah. That's a rough go, even if you have 247 members of your unit. That's <laughs> still a rough one. So, anyway. So, we actually have Marine Corps scuttle, but Yeah, actually, scuttled. we actually have time to talk about um, <laughs> I think that we're going to start by, uh, in the region around Vic's Heart, as an AM tracker. Uh, yeah. The tracks aren't back, but the wheels are back in. What do you think, Vic? Well, you just change the T from tracks to tires, and then yeah. you can still do mm-hmm. yeah, yes. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I think we've talked about this. Uh, we got a little uh, side series that talks about this a little more in depth. But uh, big news, hot off the ticker as of January 6th, so maybe not that hot. Uh, but ACVs are back and are allowed unrestricted waterborne operations um, following the development of a new tow rope solution to uh, vehicle um, recovery in the water, waterborne vehicle recovery, which is a very, very dangerous uh, operation, but obviously a very necessary one. You don't want uh, a big old 30-ton vehicle just floating out in the ocean, um, especially with that amount of combat power, uh, just doing nothing but uh, – yeah, taking up space in the ocean. So, uh, the what ha- and for those who aren't aware, uh, in September, ACV got suspended from waterborne operations because it couldn't recover itself, um, and uh, yeah, obviously that's a problem. And so, uh, and it really, uh, you know, we've had Colonel Tim Howe on the show a couple times, but really, my hats off to um, the folks at PM AAA who. And obviously BAE Solutions and everybody is working on this project, but to come up with a solution so quickly. Usually when something like this happens, man, that's kind of a death nail. BAE had a lot of money on this one too, though, because no. they just signed the contract BAE, for them like two years ago, right? Well, they just got um, – I want to say it was a year ago. They just got full uh, full rate production authorization, yeah. which, I mean, we're talking billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So that means – and so for those, as we're talking the acquisition cycle, you have like these different increments of how many uh, actual pieces of equipment you can buy and how you're going to phase all of that in. And uh, so when you get authorized and you get funding for full rate production, that means like it's a go. The assembly line is fully geared up, mm-hmm. like, you know, fully stocked Cokes in the vending machine at the at the warehouse station. And Overnight, just, anything you need. They're just, ch- yeah, they're yeah. chugging them out now because it, the concept has been uh, proofed. Everybody's happy with the initial uh, fielding, and now we want to do full rate, meaning it's going to the fleet, and now you're going to start seeing it on ramps and in uh, equipment lockers and armories and all so. stuff. And we are the second adopters of this, I believe, after Italy. Um, well, no. So there's a there's a bunch, and so this wheeled technology wasn't. We didn't invent it. It wasn't anything new. Uh, there's a, a lot of countries. Uh, maybe it's like seven countries that have wheeled, not necessarily amphibious vehicles, but they can go in water. They can forge, forging vehicles. So they can ford, go, fording, fording, not yeah. forging. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of. Uh, EABO still. (laughs) But, yeah, fording uh, so they could go across, like, you know, calm lakes, very uh, no current in a river sort of thing. They have, you know, propellers uh, or jets or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Marine Corps and BAE and and, and some of the other vendors who are are vying for this contract, yeah, they came up and found a way that, like, 
make this thing survivable through IED blast, uh, survivable mm-hmm. for you know direct fire weapons, uh, in um, indirect fire protection, blast seats, you know blast harnesses. Uh, a, a remote weapon station that can like it's amazing that the gun uh, and so yeah and wheels um, that you know have the blast proof the drive while destroyed sort of tech and all that and, and, and do they have the active um, uh, air pressure adjustments as they're as they're driving like I remember I, that being a, a test it's been a long that, I mean it's been yeah. a long time since I was privy to anything that had to do with this thing but um yeah the problem is you don't want it to get too heavy so you mm-hmm. obviously can only you can't exceed certain things because and like Colonel Howe was talking about like you can cube out you can wait out before you cube out and mm-hmm. so you don't want to start making a bunch of heavy stuff because then you can end up with empty space on the ship it's not doing mm-hmm. anything for you. Anyhow, but it's still in the realm, and, and they've, I'm sure they've updated a lot of the systems since I was looking at this thing back in 2016. So. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, it, it couldn't recover itself. They hadn't, didn't come up with a uh, – uh, and so, for those who don't know, the AAV has a, a recovery variant, and it's this, like, massive boom on it and all this stuff. And it can recover a vehicle – on its own and there's self-recovery stuff with tow ropes and tow cables too that you can do uh and i guess the acv didn't have that sort of organic capability yet so now they figured it out they got it done so acv's back in but just you know as everything there's a caveat so there's a bunch of requirements that each unit there's 18 tasks each unit has to complete and this is according to uh, uh, the marine corps um press release on this so I'm, I'm not making this stuff up um so yeah they have to uh they have to complete these 18 tasks validate them and then certify pr- be certified prior to uh resuming waterborne operations and these tasks cover a variety of requirements including ensuring training and qualifications for crew and embark personnel are properly equipped vehicles have passed required inspections and operations are conducted safely with safety boats See state assessments and positive communications. And so what does all that mean? It means that it's still not an easy thing. Like, you know, when I was a youngster, it was like, hey, we're going out in the water. And you would just drive down the ramp and Be go. In the water. Yeah, I mean, you had to call Bear Mat or Long Rifle. Well, I guess Long Rifle. Was just, but you had to call Range Control, let them know, hey, I'm transiting through the water just to make sure there's no LCACs or anything out there doing their thing. But, you know, we don't really go that far out anyways. And so it was really just like, ah, good. You know, you got your stuff. And then you would just do your your sea state assessment and get your, you know, Miss Quist guys ready to go and do all your safety stuff still, do the boat vehicle inspections. But, man, you're like, you're rocking and rolling. You weren't just like, hey, guys, uh, grab your boards. We're going out to San Clemente Island. That would be uh. amazing. <laughs> Sanguine, is, as you know, is not as close. Catalina would be <laughs> not a bad I wouldn't deal. know if you would be able to go to Catalina, could you? Because it's so high trafficked. But nothing is on San Clemente Island. It's just good. Yeah, there's nothing out yeah, there. But, yeah. I mean, it's, so, it's a lot yeah. further out. I mean, yeah. only on very, very clear days can you see it. Yeah. I mean, I've taken a boat around it. Yeah. It's not a short trip. I don't know. It's not a short I think you'd probably run out of fuel would before you, you got there. Would you make it? Yeah. 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 But anyhow, um, so, yeah, we're back in business Sort of. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, yeah, AAVs, I mean, 
this might this is probably the death nails for yeah. old. Well, they were scheduled to be transitioned out over well, the next the 10 years, right? Once you, so get, once you get full rate production on the new system, yeah. the legacy platform gets slowly yeah. phased out. So, so, I mean, this is yeah. this was in the working for a very this long time. But 2021 instead of 2030. So, But you yeah. look at it, though, it's like, so we're just now starting, like, they just got full rate production approval. I think what the initial operating capability is, like, uh, 90. I mean, look, I got this other thing here from uh, – Congressional Research Service, uh, and yeah, so we're looking at seventy-two to be delivered in in this year. Um, and there's what a thousand they have to replace. Six hundred and thirty-two is what the uh, planned acquisition objective is for okay. the ACV. Wait, the the original was over eleven hundred, but it okay. got chopped down to six thirty-two. But yeah, so uh, and then you know you're, I think there's probably 36 or something that are actually on ramps and the mm-hmm. fleet being mm-hmm. used. So it's, we're not talking about a massive quantity. So what this ma- what this ma- how this matters is is that you got AAVs like the vast vast majority, 95 percent of your amphibious ship to ship connector, ship to shore connector, and your capability to lift uh, infantrymen and, mm-hmm. and take them to objectives inland is deadline for water. So in a practical sense, what does moving from tracks to tires actually affect? Well, it's going – you you increase mobility. So here's one of the things I think that people don't consider is, is that the military is the only service – the only people asking for tracked stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a few construction companies, like you know, for your excavators and those sorts of things, but there's no civilian market for tracks, and so the production line is extremely slow. And for a legacy vehicle like an AAV, because they don't use the same track as a as a tank, or even as a um, uh, a Paladin, or any of these mm-hmm. other tracked via M113 M- the army's sort of troop carrier it's still a little different and because obviously it can't be super heavy yeah um and so you don't have a, a massive supply chain when you need new track and there's no in nobody's innovating track because there's just no market for it everybody's innovating tire i mean you've got you've, you've seen those like gigantic goliath dump trucks that they use at these massive mines and stuff. I mean, the yeah. thing's as big as, like, a, a building, mm-hmm. and the tires are, like, two stories or something. Yeah. So there's a ton of uh, – and, 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 and tracks just don't survive blasts. Yeah, is there is there a, a feeling, a consensus that tracks are just going to be phased out completely, or is there still utilitarian use for them, or is it just as the situation arises? I think for a tank, for a main battle tank, you just can't get away because there, there is They're a – too heavy. It's a yeah. weight yeah. requirement you for a tire. You have to spread the weight around, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And so for main battle tanks are always going to be tracked. Um, But for an amphibious vehicle where you're looking for mobility, really what we were looking – again, 2016, Vic, is who's speaking right now. The the tech for survivability, blast survivability, you can raise it up higher with uh, tires so Mm -hmm. you get more standoff from the blast. Um, More agile suspension. Yeah. Well, independent suspension yeah. systems. So, I mean, that's why you can, like, blow off a tire and still drive mm-hmm. with, you know, still be mobile because they're they're independently working and they're all calibrating on their own. Uh, and then they're easy to change out, man. Tra- throwing track, just throwing track, meaning the track has come off of the idle wheel or off of the front 
spoke wheel. It's like it is a monumental task, and I mean, you have to like post security because it's it's gnarly, yeah. and they're trying to do that in a combat zone. It's crazy to blow, blow off a tire and then be able to like continue to do the fight for like another fifty miles, and then just like change a tire. Like, dude, that's amazing. And then, you know, I know that there's some things that, like, I'm sure plenty of people have criticisms that are working on it right now because nothing is awesome coming out the gate. Um, but the the science behind it is there for sure. For, like, for me, I never actually saw one other than some of the, the prototypes that were getting rolled out to Camp Pendleton. The, the science is sound on this stuff, so... Uh, I was pretty, and then that remote weapon stations were ridiculous. It's so yeah. good. So, so anyways, all that is to say that we won't necessarily see the benefits again on a force projection standpoint, and then mm-hmm. from a deterrence standpoint, which we talked to uh, Dr. Hunziker about in a later episode. And we're not going to see the benefits of this of ACVs returning back to water operations really for some time because you might see a couple like you might see a platoon of them on a mew yeah mm-hmm. and that's that's about as forward project force projection as we're getting right now so maybe in five years at least certainly by 2030 which is what the commandant's shooting for well not uh, every combat zone is going to be a desert so at some point you're going to need them regardless right because um even if you're not bringing them ship to shore just crossing a marsh yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like, just going shore to shore. Yeah. I mean, for what it can swim, I mean, just think about, like, the Straits of Gibraltar. We're mm-hmm. talking about the Straits of Hormuz. Yeah. Um, or if you're any of the islands within, like, the Indonesian archipelago, for example. Dude, you could totally bounce from, like, you know, Perth to f- Bali or something. And mm-hmm. then, you know, from yeah. there to up. And, you know, you can do a lot of stuff. With that shore-to-shore capability that yeah. NCV provides, so there, there, there will be a ro- role for it for sure. Um, but more importantly, I guess would be nomenclature now. Uh, future amphibious marines can't be called am trackers; they have to be called. They're not going to call them am tires. Uh, for the higher powers of the Marine Corps to decide, and for us to, uh, <laughs> yeah, for the higher powers to decide. I'm Amtrak just happy. <laughs> I'm just happy we can stick with yet yes, as long as we <laughs> didn't lose yet yes, it's a win. All right, so uh, we probably don't need to spend as much time on our next topic, but we did have an F-35 uh, go down in the South China Sea uh, aboard the USS Carl Vinson recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it went down landing. It went down landing. So it um, didn't just, like, shit the bed. No, it didn't shit the bed. So they were landing. It was on – it was aboard ship, and then it was not aboard ship anymore. Right. Uh, eight eight uh, crew were injured, including the pilot. Who ejected, though. Um, mm-hmm. Who had ejected. Uh, I think three of them had to be vacked off of the uh, yeah. off of the That's ship. Right. That's right. Um, kind of a – a disappointing thing to happen so close to our peer adversary. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. the bummer. <laughs> so if you look at who was all there, I mean, they had uh, the USS America uh, Amphibious Radiant Group. I think there was another carrier group. The Abraham Lincoln Carrier Group was there. Mm-hmm. And then they were working with um, our regional allies, and I think they had a Japanese Hilo carrier also there. So, yeah, as we're doing force projection – to have this thing as as unfortunate as it was that people were injured, obviously the optics of it aren't aren't awesome, but yeah. look, this stuff happens. Yeah, it's it's 
it's a regular occurrence. I imagine before World War II, a lot of things were happening that made us quote unquote look bad. But I mean, as long as people were practicing and training, that's I guess that's the emphasis. And it's the yeah. new it's the new hot piece of gear. Um, so uh, you can't imagine that everybody's gonna be mat like. 100 percent proficient with it either oh absolutely it's, it's it's better to try to get some of these uh, i mean if, if if this accident i mean luckily like no one was uh no one was, was killed so as long as his lessons are learned yeah i mean that's a very expensive coral reef but um you know it's it's now it's back to nature <laughs> very expensive lessons will be are learned but well they recovered the plane Okay. Oh, did they? Oh, I thought yeah. it just went in the no, drain. No, they have it. They're <laughs> okay. gonna they're investigating it now to see what went wrong, and they're gonna. I don't know. It's expensive. It's their frame is probably still mostly intact. They might just put it right back. Uh, in the what source. are they? I mean, it, I think it goes like three bill uh, um, uh, sticker price, right? They're not cheap. Off I don't think. I don't know. If, are they three billion dollars? They're definitely not cheap. Uh, the ACVs are four million dollars. I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're we're got a whole couple uh, factors beyond that with oh, these yeah. jets. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but they're not—they're not cheap. Yeah, you ain't rolling it off the lot. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're yeah. definitely financing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone's signing a dotted line. Yeah. yeah. Um. Someone. Someone has to back that up. Um. But yeah. So and right now we're kind of in the phase two where the F-35 is proliferating around uh, NATO, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Now, our allies so. are trying to get on get on that, um, that cheddar cheese. Because right? it's been—it's been largely. United States with a little bit of Britain, I think, doing all the testing, and now like I think, does I think uh, France is getting some right now or in the near future. They have the Eurofighter I, still, I think, but I, I don't um, know because I know uh, you know France obviously uh, just having looked at it through the submarine thing with Australia. You know they've got their own. Uh, their own yeah. uh, industry uh, yeah. companies. So yeah, I'm not they sure. do. Uh, they produce a lot. They have a really robust uh, military production uh, set up. Mm-hmm. The um, infrastructure. But I think that they were getting some F-35s just so they could have them. Well, I think that's what it yeah. is. Like you, It's not necessary that it becomes part of your national str- defense strategy, but you want the – instruction manual mm-hmm. yeah so that you can start to look at yeah. what was the science how did this come to be and yeah yeah i think you want to just be in that conversation mm-hmm. yeah and you gotta um, pay to play man yeah <laughs> oh yeah you do uh w- <laughs> yeah bringing up that uh submarine thing probably is just sticking that finger right in that wound because they are out billions of dollars on that yeah yeah um, I saw a couple like back and forth articles talking about how essentially like they were just overcharging the Australians and then well they definitely were they're charging a premium, but the submarine market is not exactly uh, booming booming yeah isn't it I see I thought subsurface was like the new thing maybe not I mean, booming booming maybe in the ru- it's definitely I mean people obviously want submarines you don't have a lot of options there's not a lot of diversity like the marketplace is pretty pretty narrow of who you're gonna get submarines from yeah, i imagine yeah you can buy from the united states you can buy them from france i guess you can buy them from russia um does the uk have they have food? some uh i don't know how much they're actually like selling out yeah um china obviously. they probably would want to ramp that up now that they've brexited yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i always think of a cereal when i hear brexit <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brexit, breakfast, they're not too far off. With this, like, muselicks, right? So they got muselicks. <laughs> yeah. Which, that's obviously not British, but. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Australia's getting some nuclear submarines, and we've got 
We're recovering our expensive jets out of the South China Sea. Yeah, with uh, with the nuclear submarine would be yeah would be real <laughs> like a col- um, collaboration. That's like a it's like a like a armed forces commercial right there. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. the submarine lifting. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's like yeah, it's like uh, Superman coming to pull Batman's the Batmobile out of the like mm-hmm. out of a ditch or something. <laughs> <laughs> there is like some toy set, like an army man toy set, where it's like the like the 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 box cover was like it had an aircraft carrier, but paratroopers were landing on it, and then there is like a submarine coming. I'm like, holy, sh- like what is go- what's gone so wrong yeah, that yeah. like like someone in the in, in the military is like, all right, s- send the paratroopers on, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're also trying to make sure China can't sell their jets to other countries, so we got to make sure that our jets look good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Th- it's definitely there's some marketing yeah. there. So, but I think that we are doing a good job. But let's move on from that. Let's go international. Um, it's going. We're going international. Well, you could have called the last one international if you wanted. It was in Asia. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's uh, let's jump to a whole other continent right now. Um, so sparking this thought is the uh, coup in Burkina Faso. Um, can you uh, bring our listeners up to speed if they're not tracking? Yeah, so in Burkina Faso, which is a landlocked country south of Mali, west of uh, Niger, uh, northeast of uh, the Ivory Coast, um, the military ousted the democratically elected government, which on its face sounds awful. You yes. never want your democratically elected officials to be ousted by a lieutenant colonel. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> by a coup. Yeah. So, but the reason why the military felt the need to oust the government was because Islamic militants have moved into the country and are displacing millions of um, of residents and killing somewhat indiscriminately. Well, I mean, yeah, I, they are. They're kind of handing the Burkina Faso's military kind of handing them their asses right yep. now. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least in the reporting that I've seen, I mean, there doesn't seem to be much back and forth. It's pretty no. much like... Yeah, and whenever they want to deploy uh, to go support, uh, the government doesn't give them the go-ahead. They're not support, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so what, what was it? One of these bases put in, uh, of like, uh, basically asking emergency mm-hmm. requests for support and troops two weeks before they were annihilated. Yeah. And so it's like, well, that. Yeah, that's I'm not, not like awesome. fully up to state on all of my uh, Burkina Faso geography, but was that the Solhan one or was that the. Uh, it said here. Um, and I'm looking at the, uh, for those who are listening, the BBC article on this. Um, yeah, Solhan. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Oh, no, no, no. Solhan was the hundred people killed. This was another attack in northern Inata. Anyway, yeah. So but it, the uh, militants have moved into Burkina Faso through the Mali border, um, where they've already been. We've, ar- we've heard about the, uh, the Boko Haram stuff. Like, that's the stuff that makes the news. Because when you kidnap hundreds of girls at the same time out of a school, sell them into slavery, and... Well, the, the French went so in. Uh, I mean, that was a major yeah. operation, the French. I mean, the French hadn't deployed in forever. And they went in, and it seemed like they did a pretty damn good job. But they did a thorough sweep. Yeah, it's kind of like a virus, yeah. right? Like you don't mm-hmm. get all of it; yeah. it's going to come back stronger yeah. and mutating. Angrier, yeah, angrier. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and they're one of the things that the militants are really trying to do to 
uh, ingrained themselves is sow discord among religious lines. Um, and so they're turning the Islamics against the uh, Christians and the, um, um, I can't remember the name, we're going to call it uh, non I don't want to say the tribalist, but yeah. you know what I mean? The, the non-sons uh, of Abraham. Yeah. <laughs> uh, against against everybody. So it's it's kind of become a mess. Well, it's, the, uh, it's more or less always been a mess, but there's been some, there's been some sort of power. I mean, this will, also, this will come up later, but like these old ethnic religious tensions that we thought would have disappeared in the 20, 21st century are still very alive and, and relevant uh, to these people's daily lives. I think that um, for anybody who's who digs in and reads a lot about Western Africa, they do struggle with it, and they try very hard to overcome it. Um, I don't want to sell them short. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, was, uh, I did a big dig, uh, dig in in Lagos, uh, which is a few doors down from Burkina Faso um in uh nigeria there which i think is right now the largest city in africa by population um and it, the reason is is because there was a lot of um people who had to move because out in the uh the marches out in the uh reaches of the of the land there all that tension all these uh extremists all these military juntas right. all this stuff ethnic yeah so issues. displace them and so these uh, kind of refugees move in yeah. towards the more stable cities and uh so if it's lagos they do a really good job of i don't want to say really good job they're doing the best they can uh to incorporate everybody and everybody mm -hmm. understands and they're all packed in there too tight and the roads suck and they can't build fast enough the population has quadrupled in the last 10 years and yeah, they're really struggling with it. Um, if you look at a place like Kinshasa in uh, the Congo, they have not done a good job. Mm. Um, well, I think that's one of the w what you're getting at, at least what you let in with, is like these mass displaced peoples, they've got to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of these places. I mean, just think about if uh, like just take a major city, maybe not one of the major cities, but let's just take a major city in – uh, these states. So let's take like Indianapolis, mm -hmm. Indiana, a big city. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they're doing fine with the population that they have. But if you were to all of a sudden like Chicago were to mm -hmm. fold and now you've got this massive migrant population that's going to move into Indianapolis, it's probably not going to hold up for too much longer because no. it just, you can't, and then it, and then it happens again five years later, right? When you sort of think you've got it under control, and then it happens again. Because mm -hmm. I think, according to this article, this was the fourth coup in West Africa in the last seventeen months. Yeah, and uh, you made a very good observation. I don't know if it holds up with correlation or causation, but well, uh, no, it definitely should be brought up. Uh, yeah, Vic, what you were, you were saying earlier with uh, the. Uh, JTF Hoa? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, so I yeah, exactly. I don't know if this is coincidental or causal, but yeah, um it seems like a lot of this stuff cuz I think Molly kicked off right after we rolled up the flag on JTF Hoa, which for those who aren't aware, we had an entire uh Magtaf in uh, Djibouti, which is just a little bit north of um or it borders uh Somalia. Mm -hmm. So regionally, obviously Africa's a massive continent. But you still have an entire magtaf in your in your neighborhood in your backyard, and it seemed to at least give people an idea of there's some supervision here, mm -hmm. and also they obviously they're doing a ton of infrastructure stuff, 
uh, while they were there. And so, yeah, they left and then, yeah, seven, four coups in 17 months. And then I think you had mentioned this earlier, Nick, about the democracies. Like these are all – These are all democracies, democracies. where these coups are happening. Yeah, yeah. which is a, is a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, which shows that like, you know, it's not to say that the, the, the democratic experiment is failing. It's just people are upset with how they're being represented, I guess. Yeah, or it, the democracy just can't react fast enough to what they need it to do. Yeah. Um, who knows what's going on? I mean, we're not embedded. We can't really speak to it. But um, there's no real I, – I don't think the Marines will be in Burkina Faso. Like, it seems, I would say, very, very, very unlikely. Oh, yeah. But it is something that could spread in that region of Western Africa is hundreds of millions of people, um, Burkina Faso and the countries it touches. I mean, if it's – if it does spread to a place like Nigeria, where Lagos is, or something or like Ivory that, Coast. the Ivory Coast. Yeah, using metaphor, there's just yeah. tons of gasoline on the ground and a lot of people yeah. smoking. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because you know, when you look at the region, I mean, Ivory Coast actually, as the name would imply, touches the water. Uh, and I think it was in the '90s when we did the Liberia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, non-combatant evacuation there, and that was, I think, ne- I think that's Liberia's northwest of yeah. the Ivory Coast a little bit, I think. Yeah. So uh-huh. I mean, we've got there's a precedent for us to act. Maybe not necessarily crisis response, but um, you know, it'd be great to have an amphibious vehicle that could take you from ship <laughs> to shore and help out <laughs> with something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lagos is on an island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Burkina Faso is landlocked. Uh, I don't know how much it helps there. I think there's like one river. Yeah, that's but there's one river that could use. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it could be crossed. It is a domino effect, though. I mean, you get even mm-hmm. if all you're looking at is just displaced persons, you get a massive migration to some mm-hmm. place that creates more unrest in that place, and then that spills over into something else. I mean, uh, because of the way that the borders and stuff in Africa were just drawn up, sort of happenstance. Yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of history. Uh, that that could play into this that we aren't even and then you bring in Islamic militants from out of town yeah and the out of towners who can definitely capitalize on a lot of anger and uh, that They've definitely s- subsets yeah. of the community do feel in power they yeah. they offer mm-hmm. they offer power I mean look at ISIS yeah which I think isn't um, Boko Haram the offshoot of ISIS yep. and not Al Qaeda mm-hmm. yep um but I think Al Qaeda physically is actually in uh, Burkina Faso, uh, oh, really? not just not just ISIS uh, type stuff. Okay. Um, so Mali is ISIS, Burkina Faso, Al Qaeda. Is that right? Or I don't, we can't draw lines on that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think they're all in there. Um, but and if you just go a little bit further north here into Libya, and obviously that mm-hmm. situation. So we'll do a deep dive into Africa at some point over the summer, probably. Yeah. Especially if you uh, want to listen to it. <laughs> so please <laughs> yeah. email us. Email, if you, yeah. Go back. If you have any topic you want us to address or cover, we will happily or do it. Or if you're an expert on Africa and are just mad at how wrong we are right now. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, um, that would be amazing. Yeah, like, come in and uh, clear up that gray area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you were the, the Dr. Hunziker of Africa, like, please yeah. come on the show. But yeah, moving on to the uh, the bear in the room, the uh, the big ticket international yeah, the, item. The bear, good, the bear nice, in the room, nicely dude. done. The All right, and I'm this a, one actually comes with. Wait, some, do you guys uh, remember this? 
I must break you. <laughs> 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 if he dies, he dies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was it Ivan Danko? Was that who? No, uh, Dolph uh, Drago. Or Ivan Dra- Drago. Drago. Yeah. Danko was the pro wrestler. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ivan Drago is the guy that killed Apollo Creed. Um, <laughs> which is fiction. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but real. <laughs> Um, so this one, uh, my fellows from Gazette Magazine, is available on the internet as an extension of Gazette Magazine, The Feasibility of Russian Amphibious Operations Against Ukraine by Colonel Philip G. Wazilewski. Forgive me, uh, Colonel. We yeah. did our best. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this this article is available on the web. And in fact, we got an email from Colonel Woodbridge saying, hey, this is super relevant because it. basically what is this uh, author wrote about is currently happening. And by the way, like if you if you haven't been uh, following the uh, you know the instance Ukraine, this is relevant. I'm, I was just thinking in my head like I've been following Ukraine for two months. I'm like a tweak from South Park when everyone someone mentions anything like Ukraine, I'm like no Ukraine, we're all gonna die. Like <laughs> so like that's 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 where I've been uh, mentally. Oh, oh, but man, uh, I'm freaking out. Yeah, but um yeah. So uh, the this article uh, goes pr- uh, pretty into depth on how uh, Russia can conduct amphibious operations against Ukraine and. Uh, it, which is pretty much what is ha- what's happening. I noticed that um, if, if people follow the news, that the Russian uh, Baltic uh, fleet is looks appears obviously moving towards the uh, the uh, the Black Sea, and there's there's some naval movements going on there that got a lot of attention recently. And didn't the Spanish send some ships yeah, over the, to? Mm-hmm. to I guess blockade or assist yeah, to with? be in the region. Yeah, I just think a, is mm-hmm. kinda, loiter. Yeah, yeah. To, to loiter around and wait till someone asks them to do something. And um, this is, I mean, like, if you follow the news, this is like some big high stakes poker that's going on, mm-hmm. going on in, in Ukraine. I mean, it's uh, and like for a lot of people, I guess for some context for people who um who who yeah, can you get it, bring us up to speed? Yeah. So what I, here's how I see the situation according to William. So please for the love of God, go and fact check me. And, and <laughs> I, I, I feel I'm well informed on this, but please, if you want to speak more like or, or come on, uh, hit us up. We can get you on the podcast, but definitely do some more own research. I always encourage that for anything any three of us say or any of our guests. But uh, it's kind of like, you know, like in Hitler's Mein Kampf, he literally pretty much spelled out directly what I'm going to do. And, and, and if you listen to a lot of Putin's interviews, I mean, he wants to restore restore the, the 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 greater power of Russia in the most literal forms. And if you look back throughout the history of Russia, they've always viewed themselves as like the big brother of the Slavic people. And so like that's I mean that's essentially how they got involved in World War One. We we're talking about earlier because they viewed themselves as a protector of the Slavic people in Serbia, um, fighting against the Austro-Hungarians. So they view Ukraine as like almost like with as with like their territory as like as 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 their the greater power of the slavic people and the issue with that is is there's a lot of obviously decades centuries old tensions between the ukrainians and the russians i was actually watching um on the streaming service curiosity there's a documentary called apocalypse world uh second world war i believe and they talk about uh how as as a result of you know Soviet policy in in, in Ukraine, which I'll, I'll call a genocide. There's a lot of historians who might disagree with me of uh, Holodomor, but which I could also mispronounce. So double check me on that. <laughs> but the Ukrainians had a lot of you know tensions with the, with the Russian people as a result of that. And then when the Germans invaded during World War II, 
there's a, there's a lot of footage you see in this documentary that I watch of Ukrainians giving flower stuff to the Germans because they're happy. They view them as liberators. But part of, you know, Germans' ethnic cleansing policy, they wanted the land. They didn't really care about any of the people there. And so Ukrainians then un undergo another, you know, pseudo-genocide. And then when Russia comes back in, lo and behold, oh, you welcomed in the enemy with open arms? Because that's what they, that's what they, how, how they saw it. And then another wave of oppression go on Ukraine. So like, there's always this tension back and forth between the Ukrainians and the Russians. And, and, and Putin's trying to exploit the, the nationalism of the Russian people and the view that they want to be a great power again. They want to be a hegemon, uh, a global hegemon, specifically over, over Slavic people. So this is, uh, I mean, the, we saw what they did with uh, Crimea. We saw what they attempted to do in Georgia. And this is, this is the next step. And it's just weird... Uh, situation where it's it's with with the information that we have we get to see this escalation of force over and over and it's 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 very uh very volatile so what do you what would your what's your take then on sort of the ukrainian leadership sort of like patting us all in the head like no it's gonna be okay like it's not that big of a deal yeah i saw an article about i mean i obviously they want as as, as much support as possible i think i mean the, I, part of it's also like trying to like maintain like the internal pressure i feel because they don't want their populace to lose it in, in the face of a potential um r russian invasion would you say that the rhetoric is matching their action or are they acting in a way like they think it's coming I, and just saying thing is, so i most of most of my articles i see on the russian ukraine uh take or from the perspective of what russia's doing um i i don't really know exactly like the U ukrainian military and what policy they are doing um but i, I think the generally speaking there i mean I, i've i've seen that uh there's obviously reserves being called up and that there's trying to, to to mobilize their population to to maybe have uh different layers of of, of warfare uh you know conventional non-conventional but I, I, is is it too little, too late at this point? It's it's uh, that's outside of where I mean, what I would able be able to answer. And Ukraine has a big problem of they don't have any money. M money makes the world go round. Um, especially because they're not collecting any taxes from Crimea right now, um, which is was that a was that a wealthy because of because of the trade that goes through mm -hmm. there. Um, it's kind of this little port. Uh, it's not an island. It's a little peninsula that looks like an island. Uh, that kind of sticks out in the Black Sea there, and it helped. It's it's kind of it was the port. That's why Russia wanted it. Now there's other ports along the coast of Ukraine that they can use, but Crimea yeah, was well kind Odessa of, would be the yeah. biggest one, right? Yeah. And based on what this article is looking, based on this article and some other ones I, I, I've read on it, because all because also Russia is really tight with Belarus right now, so they're looking, I think, by using the Black Sea fleet and then seizing you know ports along uh, Ukrainian coast and then. Uh, going in through like belarus potentially this is obviously like up to um debate and like we will we'll see it happens if if or when it happens but the idea is to try to isolate ukraine from you know nato dash uh eu and yep. and and make it so it's it's and they more are difficult to get involved and they are doing that through nefarious means um so germany has a massive anti-nuclear sentiment they just hate the stuff and so they're becoming very reliant on Russian gas. gas. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so now Russia can hold that card over Germany's Which head. Which they are doing. And they do oh, absolutely. say, hey, don't get involved with Poland or Ukraine. Or guess what happens to the gas? Mm -hmm. We shut it off. Um, 
Yeah, because Germany is not as into this. No. I mean, they just they just forced their naval commander in chief just was forced to resign mm-hmm. because he was making uh, some pro Putin statements uh, to, I guess, like a Turkish newspaper or something. So. And uh, yeah, so they he got his pink slip, but. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of, um, and I think there's also this sentiment, and I mean, draw parallels to America as much as you want, but like, we're like I think for the Germans are thinking, hey, we're pretty comfortable. Why would oh, we? Yeah. Why yeah. would we jack this? Up? Well, because they've learned. I mean, like the German. I think the I, I I had a history teacher in like maybe it was at college or high school. I can't remember, but uh, essentially made the argument like Germany learned their lesson that like major wars may not end in their favor and they lose money during them and they 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 realize like it's not going to be it's not going to pay out for us to to, to do this well, i think after the unification though they sort of had this ability to have a foot in both camps exactly um and so they were able to like basically just free market mm-hmm. it up and and putin i mean putin's smart and and, and he's Rational and irrational at the same time. He's maybe you could argue maybe he's rational and his irrationality. Isn't but I mean, that, uh, is that the definition of like despotic or yeah, exactly <laughs> diabolical? But, I mean, it's it's right now like the the, the window um, for invasion is closed, and there's I guess I've seen like weather con- uh, concerns how it's gonna like the the, the winter thaw will, will will definitely could slow things down. But also, I mean, like the disunification in, in Europe and and NATO right now, like having especially with like, post COVID, America pulling out Afghanistan, we're not. I mean, the, we're not very war hungry at the moment. As as maybe not as maybe not in terms of government, but as a people, I would right, argue right. that like we're very we're, we're warrior at the moment. And then just like the global turmoil that's going on, it's it's like this window of opportunity. Kind of uh, like we talked about Dr. Hunziker, like uh, with World War One. You know, like Germany realized, oh shoot, Russia is becoming an industrial power. Austria is about to fall apart under its own weight. And we can we still have a greater you know industrial strength than than Britain and France if we do this now. Now's the time. We, yeah. Now's the time because in ten years we won't be we'll be outpaced by Russia. Russia will have a greater industrial capacity than, than us and us referring to, to, to Imperial Germany. So it's 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 if again I, history doesn't repeat itself it rhymes but it's, you can definitely see the the patterns uh, between you know Putin and World War One and World War Two for that matter. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot going on there. But uh, back to where we started with the article, um, Amphibious Russian Operations Against Ukraine. Uh, so the article kind of makes some points about uh, how it could go wrong for Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be yeah, the article definitely tees it up as a is a near insurmountable challenge. Yeah. But yeah. it does not stop them from giving it a go no. yeah it's not yeah. it's it's definitely like, difficult extremely difficult not impossible yeah and I, th- I think i think also like if you're like a policy person you're gonna view when you hear like oh russia can do an amphibious op- it, it appears more realistic than it is in reality it's kind of like with taiwan it's like yeah china could go in but there's also a lot of just like processes and, and things you need to do to get to that point yeah, that a lot of things have to go right exactly so it, it's 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 is it an option yes is it a, is it a feasible option probably not but does i mean to be fair i mean if they if a lot of things went right and they pulled it off then you know there'd be a master i mean with inchon you know with with the marine corps history uh yeah. you know it, a lot of things had to go right for it to work but in that case 
a lot of things went right and it worked. Well, also there's there's a, there is uh, a lot to be said for like show show force operations and, and mm-hmm. for um, demonstrations and you know this kind of saber rattling if th- if that's what this is mm-hmm. can get you some gains geopolitically, especially mm-hmm. in the region. Um, and if like almost like what we're talking about in Africa, but if Putin is trying to take the next step in his game plan with Crimea, you know, definitely doing this sort of show of force and, and getting people unnerved, which I guess would speak to why the president is trying to downplay it. The mm-hmm. president of Ukraine is trying to downplay it is, is that if you start getting, make forcing people to choose a side, yes. where are you going to land and how many will you actually have in support mm-hmm. once it does go down? And also it, it does th- throw you know, the Ukrainian military through a loop where they're like, because obviously, you know, Putin's trying to attack them cognitively as well as physically. So mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. you know, where is this going to happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if you, I think, you know, Alexander did this crossing into India, but you just do your demonstration so many times mm-hmm. that, by the time you're ready to roll, the other side is just like, Ugh, they're doing that thing again. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess I'll follow them to see where they go. And then like, oh, man, he's crossing now. Yeah. We're totally unprepared because I just got lulled into this, like, complacency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, man. It's It seems awful good. One thing I did think was amazing, though, in the article that we read that you shared with us, Nick, uh, was is that Klitschko is the mayor of Kiev. Did you guys see that? The boxer, the heavyweight boxer. Oh. oh, shoot. I didn't make that connection. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make that dude. connection either. Let oh, me my. look at that. I, I think I even highlighted it. I'm like, oh, dude, Klitschko, because he was talking yeah. about how, you know, because he lived in Germany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's like super pissed that they're not, they're not, you know, anteing up. And so, yeah, where was that, man? <laughs> I was like, seriously, Klitschko? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, all right, it talks about the Ukrainian foreign minister accused Germany of taking a stance. And then. Kiev Mayor Vitaly Klitschko, a former heavyweight boxing champion who lived in Germany for years, went further. I'm like, no way. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I read that. I just went right over it. So I'm like, duh. I mean, obviously a boxer has to be a – Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. you can do what you want in the Ukraine, but when you get to <laughs> Kiev, man, you're going to be in for a fight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I just start, I started actually getting into, like, boxing, like, both, like, in practice and watching it. And I think my first – the first big fight I saw was, like, uh, was when Yusik uh, – one, uh, I guess, whatever title he was going for. He's Ukrainian as well. And yeah. it's, you can, I mean, you can learn a lot of warfare and, and strategy and tactics from sure. from boxing. It's, 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 it's really, I mean, it, it's a game of chess. When then Pacquiao was a politi- is a politician in the he Philippines. Now, yeah. 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 Dude, that's it, um, man. Yeah. Maybe that's, that, where, that's the direction. Take United, that ring knowledge into the, that, into the pol- political sphere. Maybe the maybe United States should follow suit. Maybe yeah. More boxers, less lawyers. Ooh, actually, uh, and I don't want to drop a plug just yet because we don't have confirmation, but there is a foundation out there, uh, and we can get you guys more information. But speaking of politics, there's a foundation that wants to get more veterans mm-hmm. uh, into uh, politics, and it's a nonpartisan organization. So they're not really, you know, obviously it's not red or blue, but – um, yeah, more veterans, more fighters in the politics, man. Less lawyers. Yeah. Less lawyers. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to go into with Ukraine. We're probably on the other side of the 
for Chaplain's Month to take a much deeper dive into mm-hmm. that. Well, hopefully, um, yeah, there's. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to talk about in a, in a month. Well, too. We yeah. have to talk about Poland. We have to talk about Sweden. We have to talk about NATO. Like, yeah, it's it's a six episode. I mean, it's a six uh, <laughs> class course that you probably need yeah. to take before you even understand half of well, it. Well, ho- so. hopefully, we can we can put it off until a month and 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 to talk about Ukraine again and not have to do a spontaneous scuttlebutt episode when 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 shit. If, if if shit hits the fan, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, if you just want to see an interesting map, look at uh, polls in Ukraine mm-hmm. for various things. It's all the further west you go, mm-hmm. the much much more anti-Russian it gets. Well, yeah. well, really. So yeah, so over on the east where Russia has already taken over two counties and, or provinces, oh, and I guess Crimea, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, they're in there. They give them things. They're very uh probably see mm-hmm. themselves more ethnically russian on that yeah side they, they kind of did and they're moving uh, like russia's trying to weed it out so that it's very pro-russian in there regardless like the non-pro-russian uh, people are getting out or they're bringing mm-hmm. in like actual russian citizens and stuff to live there um but uh so in those places like there was a lot of uh, there it was it looked like a war zone very recently but uh but as you go west, like just just outside of those territories, it's like a sixty forty deal, sixty percent mm-hmm. anti Russian, forty percent pro Russian. And then you go like another province over and then another province over. By the time mm-hmm. you get to and Kiev, remember, is kind of northwestern. It's like in the northwest kind of uh kind of the western third. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's uh, it's it's extraordinarily anti-Russian. Like it becomes like a ninety-eight. Well, yeah, I, again, because like uh, like we uh, we mentioned earlier, like all like these old ethnic religion, yeah. no, uh, religious, etc. Like all these societal differences. I mean, they 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 didn't they never went away. They're they're, they're away. still there. Yeah. They're they still exists. And like you know when you know for for them it's like oh uh, you know grandpa or great grandpa was you know starved during you know during the the ukrainian genocide by, from the soviets and then oh then so and so was killed by the nazis and then i mean there's there was a lot of uh you know from the, from the russian perspective you know they're like they see the ukrainian society with their nazis and the nazis are like the big big bad ultimate bad guy well for a lot of culture societies but especially russia in particular mm-hmm. so it's there's all all these like old old things never really went away yeah Anyway, but yeah, we can we could talk about Ukraine and Russia all day, especially if you want us to. So please email us <laughs> and and let us know, and then we nice. can know. And or if you're an expert on this subject who thinks we're completely butchering it, which is fine, please feel free to let us know, and we can maybe get yeah, you on. A high yeah. I feel like we actually. bring better than average knowledge to the things we talk about, but we're not experts. I think you can almost do it so, line by line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it goes line by line. Like this one was a good one. This yeah, one not yeah. so much. But then you kind of saved it there. But yeah. then you really shit the bed here. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> but to be fair, that's also like what <laughs> experts do. They, they they battle these out with each other. So there's probably some who agree with us on some aspects. Some that hate us on some aspects. But at the same time, those people that hate us on some aspects will agree with yeah, us on yeah, others. Yeah. So. <laughs> This is fine as long as as long as you're doing your own research, dear listener, yeah. and 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 you know using us to supplement you and guide you and find things to do. That's like our job done. We just want you to become yeah. more educated. Read the Gazette, read yeah. Leatherneck, and yeah, just just stick with us. Yeah, just stick yeah. with us. We'll see this through together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Our opinions are just opinions. They do not re- represent uh, the Marine Corps Association. We 
should really put that out there after yeah. episode. Or like the United this. States Marine Corps. Yeah, or the United States or Marine DOD Corps. Or DOD. Or the Department of Defense. Or the Ukrainian. Ukrainians. Uh, uh, Western Africans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the CEO uh, of the Carl Vincennes. Yeah. Or the PM AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much anything yeah. we represent. Yeah. None the, of it. The leader of the coup of the um, Burkina anyway. Faso. And if uh, you come at us with a with a solid, well cited paper, yeah, we'll change take. our minds in yeah. a hurry. So, um, yeah, is uh, what's his face said? Uh, have a take, don't suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, save all of our sound bites and use against the la- use them against us later. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> all right. I guess we'll catch you guys on the flip. I'm Nick. That's Vic. Bye. And that's William. Peace out. And uh, we'll see you when we see you.